0: Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris-style podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Healy Orr and Shotgun Spratling.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Family Feud Podcast. I'm your host, Keely Orr, joined by Shotgun Spratling and cousin of the pod, Chris Trevino. We have a fun show for you guys today. We're wrapping up USC's 2021 spring camp. We'll give you our final observations and takes, and we'll revisit what we were expecting prior to spring camp and what we think about our takes now that we've had uh, five weeks to see the Trojans in action. We'll also talk about some transfer news. USC picked up another Texas transfer out of the NCA. Transfer portal, so we'll get into that. And of course we'll have some questions and Chris's classic segment, take it or leave it. Before we dive into that, just as a reminder, be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcast. Also rate us five stars. That helps us out. You can email us your questions or submissions to the show at familyfeudpod at gmail.com. Also look out for a tweet from Sir Sir Shotgun Sprattling. Uh usually he tweets out right before we start recording, so be on your, your toes, but at shotgun SPR. He's the question guy. Yeah,
2: just put me on alerts, and then you'll be good to go. Exactly. You'll get a lot of tweets. You'll be
1: inundated (laughs) with random pointless things. What? I know, because I have you on alerts.
2: What (laughs) random pointless things have you been inundated with?
1: Sometimes you find things interesting and just retweet them, and you're like, oh my god, and then I think something USC-related is breaking, and it's like a penguin jumping off a cliff.
2: Well, those are things you need to see.
1: Okay, I guess.
2: Come on, Chris. Back me up on this. If it's penguin related, it needs to be seen.
3: I'm just going to get this out the way now. It's going to be a Helium Boys Aligned podcast because Keely made me mad this morning. So I'm Not already. Actually. We're adverse. No. We're adversaries for today's recording. I'm okay with it. So, yes. Of course you are. People <laughs> need the penguin content. I got you. That's all I'm going to say.
1: Now, the only reason why we're adversaries today is because I suggested we do stock up, stock down. That's all. But we're not. So you won ultimately. So I don't know why I'm still your enemy. But it's don't
3: fine. don't ask me questions. I'm not an official member. I have no voting power.
1: Uh, yeah, and yet you still. Good thing I was preoccupied like
3: with other things, or else I'd
2: be with Team Keeley on this one.
1: Ayo. I'm the now wa- do you lie? I'm, I'm Washington
2: D.C. But I was
3: preoccupied, so you know. I'm Washington D.C. I have no voting power.
1: But you might. Hey.
3: <laughs> Are you Washington D.C. or more like Puerto Rico? Why? Because I'm Hispanic. <laughs> No cuz you're coming in late. I am from the DMV. PG, PG County, County boys. boys for life.
2: <laughs> That's a short stocky game for life. That was
3: perfect. We didn't practice that.
1: <laughs> we didn't. See? This is why I'm not your enemy. I'm
3: part of many uh, movements. PG County boys, short and stocky Gang. Yeah, you are. Turnover traveler. Yeah. Helium boys. <laughs> I'm, I'm <just> part <laughs> of all these groups. I'm I'm a renaissance man and I can be part of a lot of things.
1: It's true, you can.
3: I just like how you're, every single
2: time that you're slapping your two fingers together in, in a Visual hashtag bits. form.
1: Hashtag. bits. Got it. Oh, Visual starting off bits. early, Chris. Well done. And
3: I got the Rugrats shirt on. Reptar. No one can see.
1: <laughs> Chris, uh, Shaka doesn't wear his Rugrats hat, so you guys could have coordinated. So you're oh, that's really right. He does have a Rugrats hat. You aren't helium voice. And
3: some, and some
2: Reptar socks, so.
1: <laughs> wow. Anyway, let's dive into the news of the week on Monday. Uh, USC picked up another commitment out of the transfer portal. Uh, Another guy from Texas, the third this offseason, redshirt junior tight end Malcolm Epps. Um, It's interesting. He's kind of a tweener guy. He played his first two years at Texas as an outside receiver. He filled in for Texas wide receiver Colin Johnson when he got injured uh, in back-to-back seasons. But then in 2020, he made the move to tight end. He played there in the 2020 season, wasn't as productive, and then uh, decided to put his name in the transfer portal after Texas uh, ended its spring camp. Apparently, he didn't do too much in Texas's spring game, and he is a Tom Herman guy, so I think it's just a change in leadership, change in depth chart, and he's trying to seek greener pastures over at USC, or should we say Texas West?
2: I mean, this is kind of what we talked about, how there would be more transfers going into the portal after the spring. Someone, you know, new coaching staff comes in or just someone doesn't feel like their role is going to be what they want it to be in the fall. You go through the spring, you go, yeah, this isn't going to happen. So I'm going to go try to find somewhere else, and that's what it's become. You know, transfer, portal, it should be more like teleportation for the Texas transfers coming to USC. And then same thing for USC kids going to Tennessee. Like, there's just an immediate line just going straight from anyone that is that goes into the portal from Texas, everyone goes, well, they're going to USC. Anyone, it seems like, that enters uh, from USC, you go, well, well, they end up at Tennessee, uh, because that's kind of been the the situation so far. You've had multiple kids from both schools making those jumps. Uh, Caleb Tremblay recently went from USC to Tennessee as well, joining uh, Chase McGrath. You had Velas Jones already there uh, from Texas to USC. Now you got three guys, so you know it's it's becoming a teleportation
3: portal instead of just a transfer portal. It doesn't work reverse. Brew tried to go to Texas and just came <laughs> back. He, he got spit out. Doesn't work like that. You can only go one way. It's Texas, USC. You can't go back. You yep. can't go the other way. It just spits you back. This is like the old show this Sliders. A, did we just discover a scary...
1: It's like tenant, but college football. I don't know what that means.
3: <laughs> it's a movie. Movie. Christopher hey, Nolan.
1: movie reference that I did that he didn't get. <laughs> Guys.
2: Whoa. That's it's a new true. movie. That's the difference. It's, what a day. It's a new movie.
1: There were two interesting things about this to me. One, it's a pretty quick turnaround. It was a week between him putting his name in the portal and committing to USC. Apparently, this was a Brian Carrington thing. I think he was the guy on it. And two, he's a tweener. I think it's interesting that he kind of is that description of Drake London a little bit, where he can kind of move both inside and outside. And the fact that Katie Nixon, in my mind, hasn't really panned out, I think, as USC wanted him to, at least in the spring. This is an interesting addition to the wide receiver room because... I kept saying that I feel like USC needs a little bit more in its receiving production. It just feels like they're missing a, a something.
3: Yeah, and it's not necessarily just production. It's just they need more scholarship bodies. True. I mean, we were watching in the spring. It was incredibly depleted. There were At one point, there was just three healthy receivers, and even a lot of their walk-ons were out. Uh, Zach Wilson missed some time. No. It, it was that bad. So you're adding another big body. Um with experience you got another one coming in and Joseph Manjack who brings uh like six four four six 6 foot 4 frame he'll be a big receiver obviously Michael Michael Trigg is coming in but you know he's classified more as a tight end in this tweener role so i think it's a good idea to bring in another big guy to go along with you know Drake London and uh Brew McCoy who's a bigger receiver and then hopefully you can get Kyle Ford you know we're still waiting on him to look 100% better um so just bringing in more size can and another body in general for that wide receiver room can only help.
2: Yeah, I mean, adding more depth to the wide receiver room is big because of how limited they, they have been with the injuries and with guys transferring out. Um, Maneer McLean just hits the transfer portal uh, this week. So, you know, he's a guy that we're, we've been going, he, similar to me to Salman Poopu, Jordan Yasefa, guys, like until they practice, we're not going to talk about him. And, you know, you've been wondering what's going to be the deal with that. He goes in the transfer portal, so you don't you don't add him to the list anymore. Uh, so the depth there just continues to whittle away a little bit, and the fact that you've had a couple of the guys you expected to be big time contributors with Brew McCoy and Gary Bryant and and Kyle Ford all be banged up consistently then you start going, okay, we need to add some more bodies in case this becomes an injury history rather than just an injury spurt uh, for some of these guys. So I think it's big to to add a guy like this because he can play multiple positions. So again, the tight end production has not been anything that they've wanted or, or that you would even desire in the last half a decade, if not longer. So. You know, adding a guy in that has some tight end experience can't hurt there. if he can block some, you say, okay, we'll throw him in and maybe a certain game plan he becomes the tight end in, in the game plan versus you know just in a, a specific opponent and you have that extra ability to do that. so a versatile guy versatile, versatility always it plays up and especially when it's two positions where USc has some issues at now. one being depth on the wide receivers and, and tight ends, you know just the you know the lack of production overall.
3: Imagine a red zone of Drake, London, Epps, Trigg, and Brew McCoy. <laughs> it's a big boy. That's 6'5", six, 6'3". Six, 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 that's a lot of size, folks.
2: Yeah, and that and that's, you know, depending on the opponent you're facing, you know, some, some defenses like cornerbacks that are 6'1 or bigger. You know, that was the Ronnie Bradford. You want that height. You want that length. Some guys, they just want playmakers, but you get a playmaker and it's, Adoree Dory Jackson, or you get in a playmaker that's a Thomas Graham, those are smaller guys, and you know you can go up over the top of them. And both those guys in their career, Thomas Graham not at USC, he was passed over, you know, kind of pushed out of the class by Ronnie Bradford when he took over as the cornerback's coach. But a Dory Jackson had that issue too. If you remember the Utah games, um, Mike Patrick, I believe it was, no, uh, Tim Patrick. The wide receiver won a game against USC with a late touchdown, where he basically was just a bigger body. Adoree Jackson couldn't get around him to to make a play on a ball, and so that's what you are looking for when you get down inside the five yard line. You can't run the football. Okay, well, you know, you put four guys out there that are six four. That's gonna someone's gonna get be able to to box out and, and go up and make a play. So uh, that's a, another option that USC would have adding Epps uh, to the to the roster as well.
3: And don't forget they also have Tosh Washington coming in, the Memphis transfer, who was pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. He's not as big as these guys. He's five foot 11. Yeah, he's, I, a, he's a short slot guy. So it's
2: interesting that they've gone small and big. You small know. and big.
1: It's no real medium.
3: Short and stocky <laughs> would be the medium of that. I'll give you one guess. <laughs> no, it would not. I'll give you one guess for what state Tosh Washington is from. Texas. He listens to this podcast.
1: Washington. That'd be fun. <laughs>
3: Taj, Washington of Washington. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, but the, the, the coaching staff has really emphasized Texas recruiting. They've really focused on Texas kids. Now, part of that is that these guys just coached at Texas from the defensive staff, but also you have a ton of guys that are from Texas themselves all the way up to Clay Helton. He's a Texas kid coming out of high school, went, played in Texas. So uh, you're looking at a bunch of guys that see Texas as the mecca of high school football. And I think that's playing into part of their recruiting. You you wonder if they look at it and go, "A kid from Texas is better than a kid from California." If they're evenly ranked, then we're going to take the kid from Texas just because we think they love football more. They play, you know, they play it's in front of fifteen thousand people every game or whatever it is in Texas. Because the way they are recruiting the state of Texas makes you think that they are valuing those players more than even the local kids that may be a little bit easier to recruit and sell uh, USC on um, or sell them on USC, but they value those kids in Texas more. That's what it seems like to me.
1: I think it's also just a scouting thing. I think if you've been in Texas and you have a lot of Texas connections, high school coaches, etc., cetera, and you've just been in that area, I think you're more willing to go out on a limb for someone that you've been in that area longer for than maybe California where you're still trying to get your footing.
2: And also just, you know, trusting the word of those high school coaches because you have that relationship with them. Oh, this guy will do this for you. This guy, eh, I don't know, you know. Uh, away from the field type of thing. He can, you know, the relationships you built. And Craig Nivar talked a little bit about that when we talked to him during spring, is that he was really excited to get out and have spring evaluation, the evaluation period, so that he could get to meet some of the Southern California uh, high school coaches. Because, one, he said, you know, when you're out of practice, you can pick up things not only from the players but from the coaches. And maybe you see a new drill or something that, that you haven't seen before. So he was excited about that. But build those relationships and then you kind of get that, you know, you you tell you find out who's telling you the truth, who's just trying to sell their player to you, who's gonna give you, you know, the goods, who's gonna give you the dirt on the other teams and the other kids that you're recruiting and give you the truthful, you know, nature of it rather than just trying to hype up their own kids and and get them a spot, who's gonna give you the truth and and help you build your program the best way possible.
1: Now, of course, whenever you mention the transfer portal. Everyone chimes in with, "Oh, that's a great left tackle that USC picked up when it's not a left tackle." <laughs> so I think USC fans are obviously waiting for more. What does it look like going forward, shotgun?
2: Yeah, we we won't see Epps. We won't see Taj Washington. You know, maybe in the summer we'll see them at some workouts, but we won't see them to the fall. Won't be able to see what impact they you know end up having. But USC is going to continue. They still have a couple spots. They're going to continue to look for a tackle, and maybe someone pops free. And that's what we're talking about with, with Epps. You know, went through spring. Didn't see like the didn't see the light of the tunnel at Texas, so decided to enter the transfer portal. Maybe someone still does that, but again, offensive line top offensive linemen are a rarity in the portal, and everyone is going to be going after them. So that's what has made it so hard. USC has tried to get them. It, it's not like you know wide receivers you can put four of them on the field. It's much easier to get one of those guys to come to USC because you know there's more of them entering the transfer portal for one quality wide receivers but also you can sell even though you have you know Brew McCoy and Kyle Ford and Drake London, you still sell that there's space for you on this field as well USC can sell that much easier um, because of their offense they can't sell offensive tackle play when someone like Oklahoma comes in, and Oklahoma has produced in a similar style of offense. Has produced several first-round draft picks uh, on their offensive line in the last, you know, half decade. So it, it's going to be difficult for USC to bring them in if there's someone who is a, you know, a, a really good player. But they're going to be trying to get that. Now we'll see how it plays out. But th- those, those are kind of like unicorns right now in the transfer portal, and you see how quickly. Big time offensive linemen are snatched up in the transfer portal. They don't stay in there very long.
3: It's like a week on average yeah. that they're in there. Put on my top five. Two days after committed. Two days later. It's like that quick.
2: Yep. And it's interesting because you know the recruiting process in high school, like kids draw it out as long as possible, and then transfer portal. When you're getting when you've been through that process already, you're just you just want to transfer, get out of the school. You want to make sure you get all your credits taken care of. How quickly those things can come together if you are a valued player the the transfer portal you get hit up by 30 schools within the first 24 hours and then you know you start whittling down and usually by day three you're ready to to get it down to five let me see you know how i go about this i was talking with a baseball player recently there's a very similar situation uh, just within a week he, had, he had made a decision and that's what you're seeing with you know with the the highly sought after players that are in the transfer portal they don't want to go through the whole process of recruiting anymore. I
3: already done this shit. I don't need to do it again.
2: Basically, and and because right now because there's no visits. If there mm. were visits it might, you know, it might span a little bit. Let me go check out Tallahassee. Let me check out how I feel when I'm in Austin, you know, the the vibe at the campus. You know, the guys that are grad transfers, they're like, I'm going to be on campus the entire time I'm there. I'm not caring about the the social life. Those are the guys that are looking to take that next step and move themselves to an NFL, um, you know, be a, become an NFL prospect. So they're just worried about what can the program do for me. And USC, as an offensive line, you know, that's that's where the – the trouble is, you know, how have you developed those offensive linemen? Even though you've had back-to-back first-round draft picks,
1: and that's why they pushed it so hard this past week, and that's why a lot of the support staff guys said, "Hey, look what happens if you come here, back-to-back first-round pick." They were definitely angling that to the future audience um, that they want to pick up. Uh, in the portal and through recruiting
0: yeah and
2: and i said this on tunnel vision but i think they did a great job with the way that they tried to sell that you know all the social media stuff the t-shirts everything you know it's something it's a place where you're struggling to recruit and it's a place where you you know you got to sell as much as you can And they did a great job selling back-to-back first round picks congratulations to elijah vera tucker joining austin jackson as a first round pick
1: A V T an og of the family feud podcast we were we were hitting that that drum early on
3: and one of the early corporate take it or leave it's will avt be drafted higher than austin jackson in 2021 oh i believe you do not take it
2: i don't remember how far back that was
1: though
3: that was was a long time ago that was i may have given you i may have given you an out I brought it back around. You might have taken it that time, but I remember distinctly you did not take it the first. I did time not
2: yet. take it, and I remember the reason why I didn't take it is because guards or uh, tackles are traditionally drafted higher than guards. So, but he ended up being the number one guard. So that's how you how you move up above.
3: That's the key. Be the number
2: one guard. Yeah, be the number one player, and you'll you know you'll be in the top twenty. Sound advice. Sound advice.
1: Well, speaking of revisions. Oh no, I went back and listened to our preview podcast and i'm like the teacher now handing back the grades Uh uh-oh yeah i know so these guys don't know what they said they don't remember it's like that sometimes six weeks ago is a lifetime for us
3: especially in the spring for me yeah
1: especially in the spring
3: you think this is gonna hurt me i make i make bad predictions every season you think this this is gonna hurt me it's gonna hurt me very fair check out my scars look at my scars (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Look at my scars
2: are do, are we getting these papers back in red ink or you know It's
1: it's when they walk by and they put the test down so no one else oh, can see no. it and you're like oh shoot
2: <laughs> Yeah that never happened to me Damn
1: Why Cuz he was
3: smart bad grades
1: Ew I don't I don't believe that
3: Wait what was your GPA in high school GPA in high school at uh, 3.8 or something I don't know but we only had a 4.0 scale it Yeah are you you, I don't you were understand throwing up how, sets over there? Were you saying you were a four point gang or something?
1: Uh well are we doing weighted or unweighted here? Yeah, Whatever. that's what I
2: don't get. What is this weighted thing we you're like, whoa, well, I had a four point eight GPA? It's on a four point scale. How do you have because a four point eight? A
1: P class is an extra like credit.
3: See, that's dumb.
1: Yeah you're just sad you don't have a high GPA. That's fine. He had a three eight
3: is what he said. Okay. Is that what you said? Yeah, I think that's, that's what okay. it was. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It was a long time ago. I didn't, guys. Like, I didn't like the. Chris? I'm, getting,
2: I'm getting in the Ryan Abraham stage and being like, that's so far back.
3: I don't know. <laughs> I finished with like a 3.8 around that time.
1: I finished with a 3.99. Oh. And I was like, please just give me the white robe for a 4.0. And they're like, no, sorry. 3.99 doesn't matter. And it crushed. <laughs> I like strict standards. It crushed my high school soul, but it's fine. It's cool. But waited, I was like a 4. something. 4, 4.3. I, I realized
2: about junior year that grades just really don't matter at all
3: yeah if you're <laughs> really listening don't. if you're listening people in high school that's nope. three nope three point eight average around here hey, it doesn't mean anything you still you'll still name. end up in a middling podcast <laughs>
1: <laughs> chris chris <laughs> anyway back to me being the teacher here chris you came up with three questions that we went through in the preview
3: pod you're just giving back what I put out there. I made this for you, and now you're going to use it to stab me.
1: Hey, no, you're <laughs> the one who's taking such a negative take on your preview. Um, so I'm gonna say what y'all said. You can either agree or disagree. shout Shoutouts to old segment or uh, revise what you said. Okay, okay.
3: Can I guess what I did before? Sure. Yeah, actually, actually, I wanna. <laughs> I hear wanna you. just try to deep dig deep into my mind.
1: Okay. So the first question we were trying to answer was, what is the biggest question heading into spring camp? Other than the offensive line, because that was the duh of the question. The duh. So, Shotgun, what do you think he said? Oh, I have
2: no clue what I said. I'm just going. How
1: do you not? We got into a fight about it.
2: <laughs> I, I don't. Like you said, six weeks ago, it's yeah. in the spring. I don't sleep in has, the spring. Yes,
1: we know. You would say it every podcast. He
2: doesn't know what he had for dinner last night.
1: At 2 a.m.
2: I honestly, when I went to sleep at night, I was like, what did I eat for dinner? Uh, so there
1: we go. Uh. So, you said, what will they get out of the spring game? How are they going to use it?
3: oh oh yeah that's right that, a- that, that aged well that <laughs> no, aged well didn't. i think that aged well no
1: i think my point about it aged well because we got into a fight about it about it and i was saying the overall culture matters and it shouldn't just hinge on one day or one practice and i think that is true because the physicality was the string throughout all 15 practices at times most of the time
3: <laughs> at times most of the time <laughs> but it was an actual game
1: Yes, but he was all in a, a frizzy about a tizzy? it, a tizzy, a tizzy, and the frizzy tizzy. Yeah, and so
2: I do have a lot of hair right now, and it gets curly. It could be a frizzy tizzy. True. Um, I don't, I don't know how you want me to respond to this.
1: You're on the witness stand.
3: Do you regret what you said? <laughs>
2: Do I regret? No. I think that that was still a huge question. What were they going to get out of the spring game? And they went and got something out of it by playing an actual game, getting actual game reps for people. It wasn't a spring showcase. It wasn't a glorified practice. Four quarters. Now the last quarter and a half, you go, eh. You know, what was really taking place there, it just seemed like it was basically punting back and forth because the defensive line was dominating so much and you know, getting creating havoc in the backfield but i think the the build up to that w- was really positive the physicality and i think that carried over into the game now the two weeks after that was about mixing and match- matching that was the big you know the big talk and the big thing that they did and it was less about the physicality so you, you know you, you kind of had that two week where things just kind of faded a little bit it felt like
1: i will say though it wasn't a classic helton era fade because a classic helton era fade would have been No shoulder pads. Kind of just doing special teams a lot. You know, just, oh, the reps, the mental reps were really important for the young guys. We still saw them in full pads every practice we were out there. And we did see some version of thud. So I think it was an elevated taper off than what we've seen before.
2: And part of the the fade was that at one point on the final Tuesday practice, there were 40 guys were not available. Yeah, 40 scholarship guys that were unavailable for the final period on that Tuesday, the last practice I was able to attend. So... That played into it for sure. And that was injuries. That was some different things. It transfer portal, just different guys, 40 guys that were on the scholarship guys were on the roster. So that played into it. And I, I think they, they got a lot out of the spring. That was the big difference. And I think that the spring game was a showcase for the fact that they got a lot out of the spring. So I don't regret mine. Okay. And I think it was a great
3: Biggest question. Well, well, well defended. Well defended. Of course
1: you do. You would never admit that, Chrissy T. Do you remember what you said?
3: Was it Clay McGuire?
1: Yes, you said what progress will Clay Maguire make in his first campaign? Ah, camp?
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. For <laughs> show, for show, for show.
1: <laughs> I think that's a good one.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't think I could have failed at that one just because no, we were a- all curious as to what impact Maguire had, and I think he did have some impact. I mean, I think we're still we're not going to fully see the full comeuppance of the offensive line until the fall and getting closer to that, uh, season kickoff. But I think he's done some good things getting into the finite details of things, had some impact with sort of new, uh, formations and, uh, short yardage stuff, which obviously we can't talk about, but I think there's been impact and I'm excited to see how that goes on throughout, you know, the off season and then going into summer and fall. Um, So I think I got what I wanted out of that question.
1: I think so. I think he made more of an impact scheme-wise than I think I was necessarily anticipating because I kind of came into the mindset of like, eh, it's okay, this is coach speak. This is like, yeah, yeah, we'll fix it, we'll fix it, but then not see anything really different. And it was like that for the first couple practices. And then there was a Tuesday after the defensive domination on Saturday that they came back with some wrinkles. And I was like, oh, okay, we do see some new wrinkles. So I think I got more than what I was expecting.
2: Yeah, I think the, the question was a good question, and I think it's a question we're still waiting for the answer for. Yeah. Um, I, I think, like Chris said, we won't know for sure until we see the offensive line how they play, but I think we also won't know for sure if what we saw in the spring with some different wrinkles and whatnot, if that's continued, or if it's just like, it's spring, let's try some different things out, you know, or if they actually do put some of those wrinkles into the game plan going forward into the, the fall. That'll be the interesting part, and I think – You know that offensive line is going to be a big question mark of who's going to line up there. So does Clay McGuire have an impact in choosing that group? Because we've seen so frequently under Clay Helton is that the guy with seniority, if a guy is you know established in a spot, he's not getting pushed out a lot. So you would say, oh, they got four starters at offensive line. You would expect those four guys. Do we see some, you know, do we see some guys get moved around a little bit? That would tell me that Clay McGuire is having a little bit of an impact too there.
1: Now, in classic Keeley fashion, I had two questions in one, and then I had two audibles. (laughs)
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is classic Keeley fashion.
1: Yeah. So, my first one that I said off the top of my head was, who replaces Talanoa Hufunga? And I also said, how important was Hufunga to Orlando's scheme? Now, I don't feel like we could fully answer this, just because when you have Max Williams go down pretty early in camp, and then you have Isaiah Pullemout move over to Nickel, I don't feel like you fully know, and it sounded like Todd Orlando... It may, he made it sound like that wasn't a permanent move, especially when you're anticipating getting Greg Johnson back. So I don't fully know if we can answer that yet, um, but I don't think his importance to the scheme was as much as I thought prior. The other audibles I had was uh, how will the running back roster shake out, and then Shotgun added an audible on my audible, which was how much do we see the vets in practice, which was a good one because we actually did see
3: a lot of vet. a lot
1: of vet time. And then my third one, which I think was the underrated storyline of camp, was how does Keaton Slovis look in year three? Because if you remember preseason or like pre-spring camp, there was a lot of like, he's back, folks. Like, he did the camp, the QB camps, like his arm feels good. Year three, let's go. We figured it out. And I don't think I fully saw that. I don't think I fully saw it translate in camp. And it's still something where I'm like, hmm, not sure about that. So we'll see. I just think at this point, having a third-year quarterback, it should look different in spring camp. And I asked Clay Helton, last practice of the last pre-practice presser of spring, hey, is Keaton Slovis where you want him to be in spring camp? And he kind of gave me this, like, run-around answer and included leadership in the answer. So I don't know. But I just think at some point we we expected the interceptions to taper off as camp progressed, and I don't think we saw that.
2: Yeah, and, you know, there's a bevy of reasons for it of you know yes. you know those wrinkles you're adding those are new plays well you're doing it with new receivers the offensive line is in and out they're mixing and matching so there's a lot of pressure yes all those things are true but he had double digit interceptions in 15 practices in 10 practices that we could see so he's got to be able to do better than that you can't have that in in a game if you know if you're getting an interception a game that's too many um he needs to you know, if he plays the full season this year, he needs to be throwing 40 interceptions and having five or six interceptions. I mean, 40 touchdowns and five or six 40 interceptions. 40 interceptions? That'd be a lot. Uh, <laughs> 40 touchdowns with five or six I interceptions. I thought you were
3: gonna about to say, if he throws 40 interceptions, he needs to have 150 touchdowns <laughs> to even it out. <laughs> yeah, NFL sure. blitz uh, <laughs> statistics over here. What a drop. Great drop.
1: Chris, what were your thoughts about Keaton?
3: I'm not as worried about it as you guys are. I think it's just like spring; it's just going to happen. If it's happening in the fall, I think fans would should be a little bit more concerned. I was just giving him the benefit of the doubt that, you know, he's working his way back to, you know, where he was in I guess 2019. Worked on he worked on some new mechanics. I thought he had some really really nice passes, uh, in some some practices. And, you know, he's getting used to some new receivers on the outside. Drake London getting that chemistry on the outside. Not a full stock of receivers. A lot of walk-ons he was throwing to at times. So I'm not as, like, panic button on it. Um, but I will I, I will say that, yes, you would think it would look a little bit more cleaner. But, like I said, not hitting the big red button just yet. I have more
2: concern because it's a third-year starter. Sure versus if he was taking over this year and, you know, he played some in the past as a backup or whatever, a couple car- couple starts. No, he's a three-year starter now. Now, obviously, 2020 was really weird.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, are we grading too harshly? Because this is not a, a normal third-year starter by any means. Coming because-
3: off a bad mental funk.
1: He didn't come into the twenty nine season as the starter, like fall camp, whatnot. But you, when you, you start chem- from game two. But you get chemistry with guys. Full season. It's different.
3: Full season as a starter there.
1: I'm just saying.
3: He does not have two full seasons as a starter. If you
2: don't count 2020 as a full season, I'm not. <laughs>
1: yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Are we, are we grading too harshly here?
2: He has what, like 16, 17 games as a starter? It's pretty much two seasons, guys.
1: But what I'm saying is it's not like he was – it wasn't an easy road for him, like a normal QB1 starter who knows, hey, start a fall camp, you know, opening game, you're starting, et cetera, et cetera. And then you get into a pandemic season, et cetera. Like, I'm just saying.
2: Yeah, there's been 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 challenges. There's been challenges this spring. There's been challenges along the way. But after 2019, he put up great numbers, great expectations come with that. And people, you know, are, are looking at him as a potential early round draft pick. My expectations for an early round draft pick are better than what I saw this spring. Now, will he come out and kill it during the fall? I hope so. I hope so for the kid. He's a great kid. Great. Uh, enjoy talking to him, talking about X's and O's, and breaking things down. But the expectations for an early round draft pick, I would expect more during this this spring.
1: That's fair. That is very fair. Okay, moving on to our second pre-camp question. What are we looking forward to in camp? And I had a very basic answer with practice observations. But that tells you how much that was just... We missed it. We missed it. So <laughs> I, I stand by that. I, it was really fun to see practice. And you and got it.
3: Full practices.
1: I thought we were only going to see one practice a week. And we ended up seeing two. So
3: And it wasn't like 10 minutes.
1: Yeah, no. We got to see the full practice. The whole so. shebang.
2: From a different perspective, which was really fun too.
1: Really liked it. So shots to USC for... Working that out, uh, Chris. Do you n- want to guess, or how do you want me? I to
3: believe. Do? I believe I said the freshman quarterbacks. You did, boing. <laughs> your Sorry, cr- I didn't. I didn't like have a noise prepared for That's like fine. when I get things. Uh, uh, maybe I'll try a different. Okay, one. You can workshop it. Yeah, I mean, everyone. Thoughts? Everyone wanted to watch, not one, but two, highly ranked freshman quarterbacks, and I think we got. I think. USC fans would have been really excited to see what they were seeing, especially out of the young that young man, <laughs> Jackson Dart. Uh, fans got to see it in the spring game. Uh, it wasn't that much in a daily practice, but he was usually good for at least one thing that made you go, whoa, that was pretty nice. And then Miller Moss, you could definitely tell there was progression uh, throughout his spring camp um, in terms of like looking a little bit more confident. Didn't have as many, you know, big-time throws at Jackson Dart. Or, but he did have some nice throws. Um, a little more checkdowns than Dart, who would you know, push it a little more. But I enjoyed watching the QBs as someone who tracked a lot of the freshmen this year, this uh, spring. So
1: You did. The question I asked Ryan, that I'm curious about what you guys think, how much do you think the confidence or comfortability as spring went on is due in part to the fact that Dart actually had a senior season, whereas Miller Moss was didn't really have one and kind of came in a little rusty in that sense.
3: Yeah, I wrote about this going into it. I think, I think it played a little bit of a, I think it played a, a big role because you know reps in high school are critical and and especially at the quarterback position. You know, Moss has his fair share of reps. He's been playing since a freshman. He had more, you know, relative to a guy like Jake Garcia. That's why Jake Garcia went out to Georgia to try to get more reps. That's was his whole the whole point of it. He wanted more reps. He know he he knows he needed more reps and it looks like that's paying off for him cuz he's kind of doing kind of well out there in Miami. So kudos to him. But Dart had like the most one of the most incredible senior years you could have. Checked out every box, put up those video game numbers, won a state championship, did all these things. So he has a lot of confidence going into spring camp and college. I think that's that's crucial and I'm not saying Miller Moss like wasn't doing anything. I'm sure he was still working on his own, but you can't replicate, you know, being a game leading a team, making all those throws, facing actual defenses and making plays. So I think that played a huge role.
2: You, you can't simulate live defenses. You know, all the QB camps that you see, do you ever see them going against an 11-11 defense? No. It's QBs throwing to wide receivers. That's it. Don't tell Tron Dil for. Dill for that. <laughs> I'm not, not a Trent Dilfer fan. That's why I love Raylan Goforth, who Trent
3: Dilfer still got mad at uh for going a little too hard. Yeah. Is there
1: like a yearly quota where you have to mention this on this podcast? He yeah. brought him
3: up. He brought him Look, up. Look, I, I just know it's he loves talking. <laughs> it gets him going. I just wanted to push that button.
2: Yeah, so you're not seeing, you know, live defenses. That's the biggest difference there. So it's been, you know, a year and a half or so since Miller Moss has gone up against a live defense. That's a huge difference. You know, actually probably the um, Under Armour camp going up against seven on seven was was probably the last time he saw you know some elite players on the other side and not just a practice kind of situation and that was you know there's very little seven on seven in those type camps you know it's more about the one on ones so I think that there is definitely was a buffer period I guess you know where you just shake off the rust and get going and we saw Moss make some uh, you know make some strides later in the camp. Um, you know, he did the the right things of checking down and stuff. He wasn't making a bunch of dangerous throws. Or you just going, like, were you scratching your head like, why would you? What were you even seeing there? We did see a couple of those. You know, probably one or two of each of, from each quarterback. You go, know, you can't make that throw in a game type of thing. Like maybe you try that in the spring and realize, okay, that's not something you can do in the game against D one college athletes. And I, I think that that you know, it's an underrated facet of the fact that you know he was a little bit behind Dart in in this spring camp whereas Dart like you said the confidence boost coming off that senior year he's on he's sky high you know he he's you know thinks he can rip it past anyone and we saw a couple of special throws in that regard uh, the the one i think of is the the touchdown pass a short pass but flings it sidearm gets it in there even though really good coverage from Kalen Bullock on that so those are the type of things that you throws that you make when you're playing at a really high level and you have a ton of confidence, you're coming off that senior season versus Moss is like, maybe maybe in his mind he's thinking, don't want to make a mistake here. Maybe I'll just check this down rather than, you know, when you catch fire in a game, you're like, give me the ball. I'm putting
3: it up. Momentum. Yeah. And as a little add-on, they always weren't getting the best protection up front. There were times where they were under fire a lot of times. And Dart, is a little bit more mobile. That was his mm-hmm. thing in, in high school. So he had a little bit of an advantage. Moss can move a little bit, but you know, obviously Dart has a little bit more of a of an upside in, with, with his legs. And we saw him rolling out a lot, moving out a lot, taking off on the run. Uh, so I want to keep that in mind, that they were under pressure a, for a lot of the camp.
2: And particularly for Moss in the spring game, he was under
3: pressure a lot.
1: Yeah, and played way more than he probably expected.
3: But, you know, he needs those reps.
0: Yeah.
1: True. Already, the final preview question that we had. Your spring star will be... You didn't say what
2: I yeah,
3: was looking he, for. Oh,
1: <laughs> this is so weird because I did this in the last podcast yeah, too.
3: <laughs> yeah, leave that in. I, cut, that I in. cut
1: you out in the last one and you're like, oh, I don't even get to say what I'm looking forward to. It's fine. It's so weird. Okay, <laughs> that's creeping me out. Okay, I got you, big dog. <laughs> Shotgun. Do you remember what you said? No. You said... You said <laughs> Never. No. You had multiple points. Classic. You said, uh, how will the offensive line develop... Who gets second team reps? Uh, how have the offensive line bodies changed? And how will they develop under Clay McGuire?
2: So it was all offensive line, though. Yes. I was looking forward to, quote, in big parentheses, offensive line. Yes. Okay.
1: And how do you feel we about are, that? I'm okay
2: with that. <laughs> yeah, what do those bodies look like to you? Um the, the Casey Collier one is the one that stands out.
1: You were really high on Casey Collier in the preview pod as well.
2: I mean... If he's actually 6'9 now, no, I can't really see that, but that's what Clay Helton has said, you know, that he's grown from 6'7 to 6'9. The fact that he's added on weight, he's still moving well. He's Now, if, if he did add a couple of inches, it's going to be even more of an emphasis for leverage. He's got to get down, he's got to sink the hips, got to get down on those blocks. He's got a ways to go still, I think, but the potential is definitely there. Uh, so seeing his body and seeing the way he was moved with that added weight is, is a positive sign there. But I don't think he's ready to to be a first teamer. Um, You know, as far as the rest of the bodies, I mean, Monheim looks even more of a dude than he did in high school. You know, he was I think he's pretty much toned up the body fat that he had as a high schooler, and maybe you know I've talked about and Chris has mentioned this in his depth chart that you know we saw Monheim as an interior guy coming out of high school. And you know, that USC was putting him at tackle, I thought was more of a desperation move than a move a, a potential uh, that that could be uh, a good fit. But seeing him more and more there, and the way he moves on the outside, you know, I think that you know, that's a, a good fit. USC's scouting was much better than mine on that one. I give him credit <laughs> for that. Um, and, and you know, I think that his body looks a lot different than it did in high school, so that one stands out to me. As far as the returners, no one has pulled the Nico Fala and come to pro day, and suddenly you're like, wait, who is that guy? Oh, wait, that's Nico? Whoa. Uh, No one did that necessarily in the eight weeks um, of of conditioning and stuff, but I I think the group as a whole looked the the part. Now can they block the part? That's going to be the big question, and they didn't necessarily do that, but I I try to take a vested interest in the offensive line and go down because we had the different vantage point. We could actually see the offensive line because they're usually in the farthest corner away from us. So try to listen to as much as I could of Clay McGuire. I thought it was really interesting some of the small pointers that he was making, the small details that he was really harping over and over on some of the offensive linemen to try to get them to work on. So I think that they're headed in the right direction. Now, will the results follow? That's still to be determined. We'll see with injuries. We'll see what five they actually put up there. A lot of things. But I do think the offensive line is headed in the right direction.
1: I thought it was interesting just hearing how it seemed like McGuire got more comfortable vocally during Mm. camp as it progressed. And on certain plays where there was a touchdown, you'd see Clay McGuire kind of run over and yell out a certain offensive lineman, like, that's exactly what I wanted from you. Or on the opposite side, he'd say, that's unexcusable. You have to fix that. I I mentioned last week on the podcast that he said that to Cortland Ford. And so I thought it was just interesting how it seems like he's paying attention more detailed then I, I don't know. That's not fair to say because we couldn't really hear from our vantage point um, in prior camps. But I just think it's interesting how more comfortable he got during spring camp. And mentioning the strength and conditioning, I'm curious how more weeks under Bobby Steiner and the Boys, Bobby Steiner the Boys, how that will progress people's bodies because it seems like he just got a chance to work with them. Now, round two, what will that look like? What will that produce?
2: Pretty much all positive reviews from yeah. coaching players. Um, you know, normally we would kind of hear whispers of like, eh, it's it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but we haven't heard that from Bobby Stein and the boys.
1: Also just like a unity thing. I think however he engineers the strength and conditioning, it seems like it brings the guys closer together. So an added bonus there. Now moving on to the final question for real this time. Your spring star will be Shock and Smartling. Do you remember who you said?
2: Nope.
1: <laughs> Cortland Ford is what you said. You were tempted to say Casey Collier and you said Corlin Ford.
2: I would not agree with that being either one of them being a the spring star.
1: You look surprised for the listeners at home.
2: <laughs> I look surprised.
1: You look surprised by what you said.
2: Oh. Yeah, I'm surprised that I picked an offensive lineman, but I, I felt like one of those guys could potentially jump in and uh and, you know, really establish themselves as a the left tackle. And maybe Ford did that just by the reps that he got. But I think Andrew Voorhees' stint at left tackle in the spring game was the most telling portion of the offensive line all spring to me.
1: And we're also not talking about Courtland Ford like you just went on with Jonah Montheim.
2: True. So. Jonah Montheim was the one guy on the offensive line that I think got the most praise of any of the coaches, any of the other players, even you know when talking to some of the defensive
3: linemen, they mentioned him.
1: Yeah. Chris, do you remember who you said? Yes,
3: it haunts me. Oh, really? It haunts me. Julian Simon. You did. Mm-hmm. And look, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. I'll be breaking down the each freshman's spring camp. Wow. Look for that on the P this week. Ooh. So I'm just going to have a breakdown of what I thought they accomplished, each of them individually, this, this spring camp. Uh, but yes, Julian Simon was my pick, the highly athletic, dynamic, uh, Linebacker out of Washington, it just didn't get there in spring. I could tell he was, you know, it was a lot he was taking in. He had to learn a lot. You know, Clay helped mentioned that he was probably getting the hardest coaching of anyone on the team from Todd Orlando, but that just tells me he's on the right path. I know he didn't really get a lot of first team. Barely got any second team. He was mainly regulated to that third team occasionally. He made a couple plays, but nothing that was like, "Oh, this guy is the spring star," and that's fine. I went in a little bit too early. I'm not selling any of my Julian Simon stock. I'm just holding it, baby, because he's gotten this this developmental learning period. Let's go through the summer. Let's go through another eight weeks of of training, and I'm excited to see what he looks like uh, in the in the fall. Doubling down, fall camp star. Wow. I got to double down. You just
1: like <laughs> dug yourself a bigger hole through that. To the
3: Julian Simon to the moon baby. To the moon. <laughs> to the moon. And this makes me curious of how how as a jump off point to this, how Rajon Davis will do when he comes in because you know, we had a freshman linebacker. It took them a whole spring camp to actually maybe look a little bit comfortable. So I wonder how Davis is going to look? I mean, he's in the Trinity League. He's at Modern Day, which is like the best coaching you can get. He also got a senior season, so maybe it's uh, a little bit like the Jackson already comes in with a little more confidence. I don't know. So I'm curious to see how how quickly Rajon will develop uh, compared to how Simon went through this camp.
2: But also remember the linebackers in the first year under Todd Orlando in the fall, were really slow to develop too, yeah. and then really took off. So Simon may have a good chance to be your your fall star there. And I think Davis, it may take him a little bit longer. Maybe we're seeing that there's just more put on the linebackers, and sometimes that happens with the coordinator, the position they coach. Like, I can get this guy up, so let me give more to this position. So maybe there's being more asked to the linebackers than is other positions, and you're seeing that it takes them a little bit longer to develop under
3: Todd Orlando. And Rajon will have a lot more competition with Elijah Winston possibly being back, mm-hmm. Jordan Isefa possibly being back, Taylor Katoa possibly being back, uh, Solomon Tulia Pupu possibly being back. All these are like big asterisks because yep. they've been injured a lot. I think Elijah Winston and Taylor are the two like guys you are closest maybe to being back. But of that group, no one has played since twenty nineteen, and only one person has
2: played. Winston got hurt during 2019, I think. I think ESFA did as well. Off-season. It, Red, off-season. off-season. it was the off-season. But he got yeah. hurt during the season, too. So he didn't play the full season either. So both those guys, like, and Katoa's been gone for two years. So you're looking at last time anybody in that group played a full season was 2018, I believe.
3: All fair points. But just saying, on, they're scheduled to have at least four people possibly back in that linebacker yeah. room. So a lot, a lot of potential bodies coming in.
1: The USC injury schedule is never on time. <laughs> they're, they're not German trains over here. That's all I'm going to say. All it's a say... reference
3: no one gets.
1: Eh, maybe. We'll see. Tweet me if you get that.
3: Tweet at us specifically, all three of us, if you get that reference.
1: Yeah, please do. Thank you. Uh, my spring star was Xavier Alfred pre-camp.
3: And how do you feel about that?
1: I don't agree with it. Okay. Which <sighs> I'm trying to remember. like Double down. Coward? No, I'm not, not going to you. No. I already have my spring stars. I have multiple, but
3: the stars of Los Angeles?
1: I just I don't know why. I guess maybe I was distracted by other position groups. I just don't have great memories of the safety group. Not great memories like they played poorly, just I don't nothing was really like flashy to me. Is that just a me thing or is that a how they played thing?
3: The safety position could be like super flashy or you get nothing.
2: I feel like it was an up-and-down spring, actually, for the safety group. Um, You know, the positives, uh, there were some times when they got beat. I think that's the product of how many young guys were in there and the fact that Isaiah Poltmau, the one older guy, the returning starter at least, was moving to a different position as well. So the one guy that stood out at the safety spot is the veteran guy that was in a position he'd been in before, Chase Williams. and. Clay Helton gave him uh, praise, you know, at the end in the camp as well, and you know, stepping up as a leader and those things. But he was in a similar position, so I think that made it a lot easier for him to do that. Now he didn't make a ton of you know wow plays necessarily, but it seemed like each safety had a nice interception along the way. Chase Williams had one over by the sideline, I remember. Xavier and Alfred had one uh, also by the sideline on a different sideline. Um, There was most of the time time by the sideline.
3: Uh, Alfred had the was it the Hunter Echelon? Tipped tip?
2: uh, interception, I believe. Um, so, I mean, each of them seemed to have like one play. Oh, nice play there. But it wasn't a consistent, it wasn't Talanoa's 2020 by any means. It wasn't like, that guy's everywhere. He's making every play type of thing. But I think the guy that was most
3: consistent was Chase Williams because he was in the same position he'd been in. And a lot of the inconsistency with the safety position probably could be attributed to having three freshmen.
0: Yeah.
1: I think what I was expecting was because he was an older guy and a guy who's been in Naivar's system before, I thought that maybe he would take that step forward or at least be more of a presence than maybe we saw. So I guess that's why I went out and said he was would be the spring star. It wasn't
3: a terrible choice.
1: No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I just am trying to make sure I'm not misremembering any like plays he made or something.
3: None of us had a terrible choice.
1: Why are you pointing at me Chris? <laughs>
3: damn, <laughs> well, he thought I wasn't looking.
1: So very quickly, we're going to revisit these questions now that we've seen five weeks of camp. What is your biggest question heading out of spring camp?
2: Mine is still the offensive line. Um, you know, we eliminated left tackle when we were going into spring camp, but I think the fact that we saw some mixing and matching and some different lineups and you go, hmm, maybe that lineup even looks better um, or it could be intriguing, then my biggest question is still the offensive line. And I do also have questions about what will happen at Nickelback, because of the injuries there. Would Greg Johnson not be able to participate? With Max Williams going down with the season-ending injury, and with Isaiah Pullum out moving there, and just the comments that were made at the end of camp about when he, when Clay Helton and Orlando, I believe it was, or maybe it was Nivar, was that were asked about. You know, if that's kind of a permanent move. And they're like, ah, we're just kind of exploring it. And, you know, no one sounded like he looks great there and we really like yeah. it. Maybe there's some. No, it was kind of like, ah, oh, we're just checking this out to see. So uh, it doesn't didn't feel to me like that was something that they feel like that's the the answer there. I think they yeah. probably will end up moving him back.
1: See, this is the problem. This is why I had like four last time. There's
3: too many, many questions. Always a problem. There's Indecisiveness.
1: Too many, too many questions.
2: I'm writing that it's on your, your tomb. your
3: biggest question.
1: If we're not including offensive line talk, which I think is is actually the biggest question, I'm just going to stick to my guns here and what I've been harping on for the last two weeks. I'm wondering what the wide receiver group looks like. What just receiving looks like in general. How do the tight ends shake out? How do you use trig? How do you use Epps? Just curious. Who steps up as receiver two and receiver three? Those extra targets outside of Drake London. Because it... That was the thing that I think surprised me in spring camp was that it just wasn't fluid, and I get that the depth is an issue, and of course it's going to be clunky when you lose guys like Almon Ross, St. Brown, and Tyler Vaughns. But I just was waiting, I think, for a point for it to click in camp, and I don't think it ever fully did.
3: My biggest question is just what the where Corey Foreman's going to fit onto this defensive front because I think there was a lot of standout players on the defensive line. A lot of people got reps mixing and matching. He lost a big guy in Peely, so I'm curious to see how Ishmael Sopshire is going to fit in once he comes back. Hopefully, that he's healthy. Jay Toya has been playing really well as of late after Peely went down, stepping up. Jamar Sakona, I thought, was a really, really good player this spring. Dijon Benton made a lot of plays. You have Figueroa coming back, Tuli Tuopoloto is a, a, a beast as always. Jacob Lichtenstein is looking like a contributor. You have a good problem on your hands if you're Vic Soto. So I'm curious to see what it all is going to look like when you get, you know, fig back, ish back, and then you add the number one overall player in uh, Corey Foreman. So good problem on hand. I think that's going to be my biggest thing I want to look at leaving spring as we move into, because the defensive line had a really good spring.
1: That's what I was going to point out as like an audible or last note
3: is that. No, I took it. (laughs) i took it it will go down to the record as mine
1: yeah sure it'll it'll be yours but listening to our preview podcast we didn't until she
3: edits you out
1: no (sighs) listening to our preview podcast we didn't even really think about the the defensive line or what it could be outside of ishmael sopshire and brandon peely we didn't really i don't think we expected much from the young guys and that kept being something that a theme that kept popping up throughout camp is all these different names being like oh he had a good practice he did this you know
3: and Kobe Pepe, when he comes back. True. Yeah. The shoulder injury kept him out for last three weeks or four weeks. Yeah. Where does Colin Mobley, PG County boy?
1: PG County boy. Where
3: does he fit in? I don't know. Just a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things. So, and in Orlando, have to work out. Jazz hands over here.
1: Yeah, he was doing jazz hands. Okay. Our second revision, our final revision. Who is your spring star? Can I go first? Because I just. just She's
3: like, I gotta grab it. Just go. I gotta grab it. Well, I know
1: Chris isn't gonna grab this one because we fought about this, but I'm gonna say Keonta Ingram was my spring star. I think he. (laughs)
2: This is where he's shaking his head. He's rolling his eyes at me. Wow. I
1: I think he elevated the competition in the running back room. I think the vets tried harder in spring because of it. And I thought he made good plays. And I think he brings something different to the running back room. And Isaiah pulled him out, said so as much. So there you go, Chris. I'm not the only one who's saying it.
3: She was just about to tell me to suck it, Chris. And she just said it herself. So now it's going to stay on record. Suck it, Chris. She no. almost said it. She stopped herself, but no. I'm going to say it. That's what she wanted to say. <laughs> suck it, Chris. In your face, Chris. I felt she's accurate.
2: Keontae Ingram stood out to me. Um, I don't know if I would see he's a spring star.
1: Oh, he just cuts you down. He builds no. you up and then cuts it's, you down. No,
2: Welcome I to my def- life. I, de- <laughs> I definitely thought that he stood out. Um, but I think that that competition is still going on. I think he would have had it taken over that spot. But I he might be the front runner now. That's that's Now it's going to come down to seniority versus, you know, the potential Texas. right there. Texas. It is <laughs> a little bit of that.
1: But it wasn't like a Katie Nixon situation where you're like, okay, when is he going to contribute, or is he going to yep. get more consistent? It was like, okay, he is a contributor.
2: Yeah, you look and you, I mean, to me, I forget a little bit. Like this guy was a starter at Texas, isn't it just a contributor at Texas? This is coming over, and you know maybe he can add something. This guy was a starter, and if it wasn't for Bijan Robinson, he'd still be at Texas and be the starter right now. I think the pressure Bijan put on him and the, the fumbles then you know forced him out of that starting role. So I, I think he's going to come in and. You know, he's going to be one of those two backs. Mike Jinks talked about, hey, we want to have two backs. We want to be established, one A and one B, or, you know, one and two, two just to relieve. And maybe it's a 60, 40, 70, 30 split and not using three or four guys. Keontae Ingram is one of those two guys right now for sure. Who the other guy is, that's a little bit of a question, but Keontae Ingram is definitely one of the two guys.
3: Look, I had Ingram as the starter in my post spring depth chart. So.
2: She can tell you whatever she wants. For the first. record, I have
3: Ingram and Vavai as the top two. Don't know that I would go Spring Stars though.
1: Who's your Spring Star, Chris? Jackson Dart. Oh, spicy!
3: Look, I just thought he made the most wow plays. I think he was he every time he had the ball, you were bound he was bound to do something exciting. There were a couple times the defense, you know, gave him props. Sometimes the offense gave him love. I think I think he was he was a Threat to just do something like, oh, that was that was really fun to watch. He was the best player in the spring game, and yeah, I'm, I'm not saying he he was the he like dominated spring because he didn't, but there were plays where he was really exciting, and as Shotgun said, conjured up some thoughts of I believe Johnny Manziel. Was, did you say Johnny
1: or did you say Baker? I said I don't think I said both
2: because you guys didn't agree with the Johnny Manziel.
3: Two Heisman winners. You guys you guys were like, "No, he would never do the money sign." <laughs>
1: I cuz I think I signed more Baker than I do Johnny, but
3: So that was my spring star. I think I think he was the one people came talking away talking about the most out of spring. So that's that's my pick and I'm sticking to it.
1: So I'm just curious, you thought Jackson Dart had a better spring game than Drake Jackson. Yes. Shotgun.
3: You talking Am about I London? In
2: on that?
1: Yeah. No, I'm talking about Drake Jackson.
2: Drake yes. Jackson had a really good game. I think Drake London had the best game. To overrule both of you, but that segues perfectly into my spring star, who is the Drakes and the Jacksons, because there's just too many. <laughs> One. <laughs> This is not just Drake Jackson. What a loophole. Drake in his limited time in there was terrific. You know, unfortunately, the hamstring issue, the um, concussion from the the car accident was limited. But when he was in there, he looked like a different dude than he was last year. He looked like he's going to be a constant playmaker for them. How about the other Drake? Drake London was playmaker all spring, was the most dominant offensive player for sure. No doubt about it to me. You know, he made big play after big play. No one can defend him. He's on the outside now. What does it matter? Okay, well, later in the, the camp, we'll move him inside. Sloth eight, can't stop him. Um, so he was really good. The other guy at the wide receiver position, Mike Jackson, really took a step forward and said, that guy can potentially be in the rotation there. And let's not forget Joshua Jackson, who's a guy you go, wow, he, you know, especially the first two weeks, he was definitely the Spring Star. And then you know you look at him and you go, that guy has a chance to to be in the cornerback rotation rather than just being like, Oh, ah, that's a guy that just adds a little extra depth at the bottom of the depth chart, uh, moving over from the offensive side. No, he's a legit cornerback and he could be a, a guy that sees the field, you know, potentially for some significant
3: reps uh, next season. I have to do this to you, uh, fellow Helium Boy, but after our signing day podcast, we were talking about the class. I said. Michael Jackson the third had a chance to be a contributor in this year, and you shot that down just because of how deep the wide receiver position could be. So I'm not letting you get away with that because you hurt my feelings when you (laughs) said that. So now I need you to – that comes with an asterisk because you were down. You weren't on it. I was on it. The thing is, though – I'm saying there's room on the bandwagon, but I was on it.
2: I was on the bandwagon before you were, I'm to begin not, with. I'm not on, no, oh, wow. i No, 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 no. Yes. You, you,
3: you were on the bandwagon, and then you got off. You said, this is my stop. <laughs> this, is when, said, this is what he
1: did with ABT. This is what he did with ABT. This not true at all. Oh, so true. Not true.
3: Oh, is that true? <laughs> <What's> <laughs> so true. What's the voice? true at all. <laughs> because I will die
1: on the ABT hill. <laughs> she
3: claims
2: that she has this audio. Wanna she wanna just do. never even found. Do. do you want to team up on this? Yes, yeah, I do. Okay, let's okay. go.
3: Get him. No, the thing is, I said, I'm shooting lightning bolts. Lightning bolts. Go I defend was yourself, defend yourself. Really high
2: on Michael Jackson after seeing him at camps and different things, and thought that he was Amon Ross St. Brown light. I will agree with you that you
3: were high on him,
2: and definitely thought he is a guy that come to USC and contribute. Did I think he would contribute right away? No,
1: it's literally what he just said. You I know will not, you,
3: will not, you will not gaslight me, <laughs> I will be strong.
1: That's what he does.
3: I prefer the gas lamp. I district went, I went home and I cried.
1: This happens.
2: Every I
3: will night, bring so in course. my. I will. I will, I will bring in my diary and wrote what I wrote. <laughs> now here's the thing: when you embarrassed, he wrote what me, I wrote. When he wrote what I wrote. When I wrote what I wrote. I'm not saying that I
2: disagree with my assessment. Even now, I didn't think that he would be an instant contributor but because there was a lot of returning wide receivers.
1: You're morphing it into a way where you sound like you weren't wrong.
2: I wasn't wrong. <laughs> That's my point. You make a
3: great politician.
2: <laughs> I'll vote for you. I'll I'm win. saying that he surprised me. I completely stand by my initial assessment. I didn't think he'd come in and be an immediate contributor, and now I've changed my opinion on what he's been able to do. I don't. I don't understand why this. Why this is a big deal.
3: I can admit that I was wrong. Okay, it was still a good <laughs> opinion at the time. Just play back the ten seconds ago we said I'm not wrong. Yes, yeah, over <laughs> and over again. <laughs> I'm not wrong.
1: Alrighty, we have some questions, guys, to answer.
3: Oh, we got some. Uh...
1: So let's get into it, shall we? Our buddy Samuel, faithful listener, by the way, shout out to you. With London moving outside, is Trigg, and the similar mismatched threat he poses, the favor to come in and replace him in the slot?
3: I'll keep it simple, yes. I think that's, I think that's the plan all along. I mean, they've been selling him that when they recruited him, like, be that Drake London type role. Opens the door with Drake getting, with Drake London getting more outside time. I think it just makes too much sense. I think they'll probably ease him into it, but I think Michael Trigg is the future of that inside slot position that London was when he was a freshman. So, yes, is the simple answer. So here's the more complex one. Okay.
1: That's what he's here
2: for. Simple
3: complex. That's what we do.
2: I think Trigg is the future of that inside position if they want to go the Drake London route. The question is, do they? Because they want to get Gary Bryan on the field, too. And they want to keep a tight end on the field. So... Is Trigg if if he can block and stay inside and be that tight end, then yes, he can become that threat. But otherwise, you know, if he plays just a receiver and is in that inside slot position, then that's when I don't know that he's going to be able to come in and be an immediate contributor. Same thing with Michael Jackson. I'm always a little weary, even though wide receiver is a position where you can come in and and factor in immediately. Um, just if they give you an opportunity to, some wide receivers they don't. I'm concerned about what they're going to do with the third wide receiver because if they want to get Gary Bryant on the field, they're going to use him in the slot. And if they want to get Taj Washington on the field, they're going to use him in the slot. Um, so where exactly – who is Trick taking plays away to become that mismatch as the interior guy? If he can take over as a blocker, then yes, Definitely because I think he can skyrocket up because of his mismatch ability at the tight end end position, but he's got to block first. They want the tight ends on the field to be able to do that. That's why the tight ends have continued to play the last year and a half in this offense, even though they haven't given much production in the passing
1: game. Steve has a specific question for Shotgun. He says, what was weak with Almond Ross St. Brown's game that we missed during his time here? Why did he drop so far below our guesses? Well,
2: there's nothing weak. It's just he's not the prototypical NFL wide receiver that you see go in the first round. He's not 6'2", 6'4". He doesn't have the leaping ability or the 40-yard dash that you're looking for from an outside receiver, and slot receivers just don't get drafted as high. Now, slipping to the fourth round, that was surprising, but this was a very deep wide receiver class as well. So I'm sure that played into it, and you just, who's looking for a slot receiver, and when they when they're looking for one. So I think that was part of it. It, it wasn't it, there was something weak in his game. It's just he doesn't have the attributes they're necessarily looking for. I mean, the route running's there, the the hands, all that stuff. He's just not as fast as you would ideally want. He's not as tall as you would ideally want. So I think those are the you know the measurables are kind of what held him back a little bit. Not necessarily anything with his game this week.
1: We have some fun ones that we got so some rapid fire answers gentlemen first from our buddy samuel who said it a weird question for chris if there was a zombie apocalypse out of the three of you who would survive the longest and who would be the first to go now i know i'm about to get roasted which i think unfairly but continue
3: i would last longest how shock going be second out keely is done within a couple weeks how the food supplies are dropping she's gonna accidentally mm. eat a gluten-free cookie no. on accident and mm-hmm. it's gonna be done She's gonna be down and out for the count. No. Very she easily. A
2: gluten-free cookie should be
3: fine. Sorry, a <laughs> gluten-filled cookie. She's gonna have to force to be eat something. It's gonna take her out of the count. Nope. Easy, easy, zombie pickings. Mm-hmm. Shotgun. I think would last a while, but he also has a family to take care of, and that gets precarious in these zombie movies. He's gonna have to sacrifice himself at some point.
1: But he literally is a zombie right now. How is he not just <laughs> forming an alliance with them?
3: He I could would, probably do the Bill Murray uh, right. role and just walk around with some play, makeup on. Play, play, like play nine holes yeah. as a zombie. <laughs> I think at some point he's going to have to sacrifice himself for the greater good that is his family because he loves them. So I think that's out. Me, my brother is an army, former army scout, knows his way around a gun. But
1: you, you're not.
3: I'm sticking to that dude <laughs> like... President Secret Service, baby. Uh, he will get me through it. That's why I think I'm lasting the longest. Oh, I'm going to die, but I will last the longest.
1: Okay, but what if I also stick with your brother? Huh?
3: Oh, we're You're shooting you on <laughs> sight. You no. still can't eat anything. <laughs> Actually, it wouldn't be bad because you don't have to be the fastest. You have to be exactly. the fastest or the slowest, and she wouldn't eat our gluten food. How dare you? <laughs> so maybe. Plus, you could also use her as decoy. Right.
1: We had a question from Mike who said, am I the only person on Twitter that doesn't care that it's Star Wars Day?
3: I do not care that it's Star Wars Day.
1: May the fourth be with you.
3: But Chris is also not really on Twitter, so
2: he never tweets out his own stories. So does that count? No.
1: But he does retweet like Marvel stuff, so I think it does count. Because this would fall into the category of things that he (laughs) would tweet about if he cared.
3: That blue check mark talks loud.
1: Whatever.
2: (laughs) Star Wars Day is important for anyone that went to USC. Because obviously, there's a lot of USC connections there. So,
1: we got multiple questions about our buddies, and Troy, who, congrats to them, got engaged over the weekend. Da, 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 da. Happy for them. Scott Rodriguez says, Which one of you are signing at Penguin and Troy's wedding? I think he went singing, but I will be bringing my hat, Scott, and choosing my future at their wedding.
2: Oh, is this, are you choosing team bride or, or team groom? Is Ooh, that what it is? That's
1: hard. That's hard You're break,
2: breaking out the hats for that?
1: Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> going to have a
2: signing day ceremony at the front of your wedding. Yeah,
1: totally steal the spotlight. <laughs> we also got a question from SC and SG, who said, When did Keeley find out about Penguin of Troy and Michael Castillo? So, for a while.
2: Keeley organized
3: the whole thing.
1: No, I did not. But I knew for a good bit. I got the official T on the sideline of the 2019 Cal game from alicia whoa yeah
3: specific
1: yeah i got the news when they had evolved what what quarter we have (laughs) pregame good stuff i love some tea i love some pregame tea the tastiest
3: she does love pregame tea (laughs) congrats (laughs) to them yes please do a podcast at the wedding
1: we did do instant analysis at shotgun's wedding
3: (laughs) so they need to step it up
1: yeah there you go and with that it's time to to pass it over to you, Chrissy T, it's time for Take to Leave It.
3: Bear with me to our fake corporate sponsor for the week. We didn't have enough time to get in an official lead in, but shout out to our fake corporate sponsor for the week, Pro Football Focus. Uh, we're actually partners with them for real a couple <laughs> years ago. This is confusing. For 247. But they're back to partner with us from the Family Feud Podcast. Guys... We're media people. We're on Twitter a lot. We follow other media people. Have you ever just like followed somebody in the media world and you're just like, it's a good follow. But then a couple weeks later, you're like, this is a terrible decision. I'm going to unfollow this person. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: Definitely. For sure.
3: So with Pro Football Focus's new grading system, they're not only grading athletes. They're grading journalists, media professionals. They have detailed (laughs) scouting reports (laughs) on all the best top People that cover all over the country. So they got breakdowns on every beat writer you could ever imagine.
1: I know where this is going. You
3: do know where this is going. I requested them to break us down. So we're gonna read our scouting reports. Shotgun, you graded out as an 83.6. 83.6. I'll take it, I guess. Here's here's what the guys wrote about you. Impressive height, former top pitcher, live jaw, elite tweet production and skill set, versatile journalist that can fit into any scheme. Personality off the charts, he will draw you in. Interviews well. Might fail medical because he will keep putting off the exam. <laughs> Has a tendency to bite off more than he can chew. Don't be surprised if he's late to meetings. It's not because he doesn't care. It's because his car is literally in a ditch after traveling 3000 miles round trip to cover American Samoa baseball. Sleep habits of a 17th century grave digger. Narrow hips. Keely, Damn <laughs> it, my he, hips. Those damn hips. Keely. you graded out as an 88.5. What? what?
1: what? This am is... I, wait, am I above shotguns all I care about? Yeah. Okay, perfect. This is bullshit.
3: Underrated prospect due to height, but can be a legitimate building block for any organization. Elite on-air on air skills and makes others better when paired together. First round grade as a producer and can be a plug-and-play produce from day one. Extensive Beyonce knowledge if you're into that. Weirdly okay. into makeup YouTube, but not a hindrance on overall performance. <laughs> Medical risk due to her stomach can be indecisive to the point of failure. Ask to pick between Wednesday or Tuesday won't have your answer until Friday. Makes up words to get out of making a choice. Sass will get her into trouble, but she has the foot speed to make up for it at times. <laughs> sunburns easily like scary easily i actually got an incomplete grade doesn't tweet enough to warrant grading (laughs) literal flight risk when asked to be on air that about sums it up guys that is a perfect as you can see those are very accurate grades. very accurate take out the riffraff of subpar twitter follows and leave the first round draft pick and and be left with the first round draft pick writers PFF. Even we don't know our own grading formula. <laughs> Thank you guys to the guys at PFF. This is a great thing. Check out all those gradings now. It's a. It's like tw- I think it's like twelve ninety nine. Use a special code. Keely shotgun and Chris just put all our names in and you get I don't know like thirty percent off. Whatever you can pick well whatever done. you want. You get to pick your discount. Yeah, you get to pick your discount. It's not a. It's it's a great deal, but also very bad for business. <laughs> Let's get into it. We got a take it or leave it Twitter question from yonatan
1: johnny five at <laughs>
3: johnny five that's why we say <laughs> we'll we'll, ge- we'll t- start with that one because i'm staring at it usc will have three first rounders next year keaton and the drakes possibly floor with possibly four with brew but we'll just start with the three first rounders keaton drake and drake
2: i'm gonna leave it
3: mm,
1: okay I, I think i'm gonna leave it too
2: I'm just leaving it because when's the last time USC had three first rounders? In a minute. Yeah. Even guys, you go in like maybe they got a chance. And ends up something happens. It's whether, always wonky. Whether it be an injury or people look at Drake London and go, I don't know if he's an outside guy, the way we want to use him. Is he fast enough? Whatever it may be. I just don't I don't don't see it happening.
3: Okay, fair enough. Tyler Vaughn's is a stronger chance to make the Colts than OG with the Bills.
1: I'm gonna take this. Okay, because I'm just trying to be decisive here, but I think having Michael Pittman there and having that connection and maybe feeling more comfortable,
3: an extra voice for an the extra coaches,
1: advocate. Okay, and you got a new quarterback coming in. I don't know. Whereas OG, I to be honest, felt like he needed another year at USC. So I think that'll be a harder road.
2: I'm gonna leave it. Oh, because OG was a shutdown corner last year. You know. They weren't throwing the ball at him because nothing was being completed over there. Now, the one thing that was missing were the turnovers. And if he can slowly make some progress in that, then I think he starts seeing time on the field. Um, and I, I think that you know it will only continue to improve. I think he has more
3: upside there. So I'm gonna, I'm going to take that.
1: I think so, too. But I'm sticking with what I said.
3: Moving on. Talano Hufunga will be the first of the Polynesian trio of Jay Tufele and Marlon tui Pelotu to start a game in the NFL.
2: I'm going to take it because of his versatility. He could play different positions. Makes it more likely to happen.
1: Yeah, I'm going to take it just because it seems like there's probably going to be a freaky injury thing. It's like, oh, Talano is coming in.
2: Also, though, with the D linemen, they have a better opportunity to be rotational players early. That's true. Okay, so they could play more early in their career, but he might be the first starter.
3: Obviously, barring injury, but Amon Ross St. Brown is a virtual lock to make the All Rookie Team in 2021.
2: I'm going to leave it from the terminology of virtual lock. (laughs) Amon Ross (laughs) St. Brown will make it the All Rookie Team. Now we're that's a completely different question, now, Chris.
3: Okay, if you want me to take (laughs) off virtual lock remember what? the rule don't Keeley, bet against keely go ahead remember the rule don't bet against amon Ra.
1: semantics are important chris welcome to the family it's i shame okay.
3: your semantics
1: oh i thought you <laughs> i thought you meant, he was throwing it i you. thought you meant say the line and no. so i was trying to say the line no, that no. works too okay which are we going with virtual lock are we locking what's the lock situation amon here? St.
3: brown will make the all rookie team in 2021 barring injury. I'm
1: going to take it because you don't bet against the sun god. I think that's something we've established on this podcast. What a and great that's what line.
3: Do. Don't bet against the sun god. Jared Goff. Check down Goff. Shorter throws.
2: I'm going to take it.
3: Okay. Now that you have taken away the virtual lock. A little spring camp residuals. That's not the... Whatever. <laughs> Jamar Sakona had the best camp of any defensive lineman.
1: Leave it. Oh, you gave me a look. Are you going to explain, or? I just think of Thule before I think of Jamar. So that was my just gut reaction.
2: I'm going to leave it, too. I was thinking J. Toya before Jamar Sakona. It's just my... but He also has an elephant head, so maybe I was thinking of that first.
1: I think he flashed late Jamar, but not enough for me to make him the camp guy.
3: We all said the camp god?
1: Camp guy.
3: Camp god. <laughs> just to let you know, there was three different defensive linemen set for...
1: That's what I'm saying. It's an intriguing position. Status. And we didn't
2: even mention Drake Jackson. True. Which, if he would have practiced the whole time, that would be an easy answer.
1: Yeah, that too.
3: Take it or leave it. Helton's statement that Jonah Monheim might have had the best camp out of anyone.
2: No, leave it. That's why he's not one of my. He wasn't one of my spring stars, and I mentioned five of them.
1: <laughs> it's true. Uh, I'm gonna leave it too.
2: His last. His first name's not Drake, his last name's not Jackson, so he's not making the cut.
3: And that wraps up corporate. Thank you to wow. Pro. He was football teammates focus.
2: with Drake London, though. More Park Eye.
1: True.
3: Look at that live jaw just coming in. He, <laughs> coming in with facts He off did the visit
1: jump. Uh, Jonah during the game last year, two years ago. Uh, I'm just curious, Chris, can we also look up the scouting reports for Ryan and Gerard? Yeah, I'm sure. Can, those will be interesting. I can give you
3: those next week if you want. Yeah, please do. Moving into the fun ones. Potentially
2: uh, Chris Trevino's, um Profile will get filled out.
1: And oh, I Oh, true. It. Maybe you and I should call the PFF guys. Yeah, in. we'll have to check one. Okay.
3: What's happening now? <laughs> What's that now? Uh, you're taking one. You're leaving the other. One of those. Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter? Which one were you growing up? Mortal Kombat. Okay.
1: Considering you guys had to explain to me what Mortal Kombat was before that, we started recording.
3: You're talking about you never played a fighting game in your, your life?
1: No, my orthodontist had the... <laughs>
3: You fought your orthodontist? <laughs> you fought your orthodontist?
1: <laughs> no, they had the little finish him. Chun-Li! What, where does that go?
3: Street Fighter. Street Fighter. Right? No, finish him as Mortal Kombat. Finish yes. him as Mortal Kombat.
1: But then I got ADD Chun-Li. and said Chun-Li. I'm going with Chun-Li. Whatever which one that one is. Street Fighter. Let's go. I was really good was while Street waiting Fighter. for my appointment.
3: So you're taking Street Fighter? Sure. Finish okay. him. Fratality. Esports gyms. Japan has opened the first esports gym where you can go in and book like a three-hour time slot to play video games or get coached by a professional gamer. Twenty-four hour, Japan's opened the first esports gym.
1: They've had something similar like that in my hometown. You're
3: thinking of an internet cafe? No, it was no, it was <laughs> like, just because you sit in an internet cafe no, no, and play no. Game Boy okay. does not make it an esports gym.
1: <laughs> Whatever. I feel like every. No. I enjoyed that. One. No, I feel like this take it or leave it. You try and slip in like a e-gaming jack. It's just been two. It seems esports like reporter
3: because it was notable an esports gym. You like to game, so why are you complaining?
1: <laughs> I take it. Why not? Esports on the rise, people.
3: I take it. You're gonna go to an esports gym. <laughs> I'm not going to go to an esports gym, but I also don't go to a regular gym. So, White Castle, a White Castle opened in Florida. I don't know if you saw the video, but the line was ridiculous. It was literally just, it was like a 30 second video of just on fast forward of people waiting in line. I don't know why you wait in line for an opening of a new fast food restaurant, but White Castle. I feel like Shotgun may be the only one here who's had White Castle.
1: Here's the thing. If you're going to wait... Really long for something? Why not just like wait at home and then go on like four days later when the line's like less crazy?
3: You want to be first, but you're Obviously. not. You're not you though. Want those tasty little juicy burgers first.
1: <laughs> and my take on White Castle: I've only been there, I haven't eaten anything, but it looked kind of lame. Gluten free, it looked <laughs> kind of lame.
3: That's why you're dying first.
1: Okay, I White Castle's
3: the only place unaffected. <laughs> so they send Keely out to get the food. Okay, came back, but it's all gluten free. Oh. I can Everyone's survive.
1: Just, I'm crafty. I
2: am leaving. Leave it. White Castle. Nothing special to me. Have I'm you al- had it?
3: Yes. <sighs> Knew it. Um, Knew it. In the
2: south, we have Crystal, which is similar. Square, small burgers, oh. um, which I also would leave. I was not a big fan of. There was, uh, crystal burgers were always super greasy, so I wasn't a big fan of that. Um, the... Other question though is take or leave the opening, restaurant opening being there first.
1: Did you just see him jujitsu your own segment right there? That's fine.
3: It's okay. <laughs> Jeez, it's <laughs> helium boys. It's, yeah,
2: Whatever. Yeah. Playing off like, each
3: other. And like they do the thing where they like give the first fifty feet people like so Chick Fil A for a year, oh. free Chick Fil A for a year.
2: So like if it's that. Then I understand jumping in line and being there 24 hours early, the tent, whatever. If the reward is like a year of food, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Buffalo Wild Wings is like, you know, you get so many wings for a year. So whatever it may be. But after that,
3: what? just to say I was there the first day,
2: I don't, I don't, I don't understand the allure. I don't get
3: it. I already I stated don't. my
1: opinion on this at the top. So
3: The NBA playing tournament.
1: Here's the thing. I like madness. But I also don't like things that you can tell are just for ratings and this feels like a ratings thing. You know?
2: Well, you could say that about the expansion of the NCAA tournament from We do say that. Sixteen teams. What it was originally, and then thirty two and then forty eight. Yeah, there's anything.
1: It's March Madness.
2: Yeah, it's all about money. Yeah. But I'm okay with it being 68 teams.
1: Did I say my opinion on that?
2: No. That's the same thing.
1: It's not the same thing.
2: It was all done for money and ratings. Yes, that's what I'm
1: saying. I, that's why I've never been a big March Madness person. Oh my goodness. I'm I'm serious.
2: I'm leaving it though, because you just continue to water down the postseason. Um, which is it's interesting to like who can actually get in the playoffs, but particularly in the NBA, it's so. So rare that a seven or eight seed even wins, and if they do win the first series, they usually don't make it to the second series, past the second series. So you know when you water down a product where the power teams are the power teams, it's not like the NFL where anyone can beat anyone because of matchups. In NBA, it's much more the you know the best teams end up with the best records. Uh, Baseball can be different too because of you know, pitching and whatnot, but basketball is like the least exciting to see that 8-1 matchup. You're just like, okay, you know, the Lakers last year, like they're going to run through at least the first couple rounds, then maybe something will be difficult. So I'm leaving it because I don't really get excited about, you know, the random Memphis versus Sacramento matchup or whatever ends up being late in the um late in the seedings late and th- now you have more than half the teams. You have two thirds. of The teams are making the playoffs in each league. So just continue to water it down and makes it a little bit less interesting to me.
3: I should have known doing a sports thing would kick off a longer explanation. Of course. And finally, I thought these were fake, but the real, the, some of the top NFL draft quarterback prospects partnering with Chipotle and releasing their orders so you could order their you could order the Zach Wilson bowl. I got the- so
1: many ads for Zach Wilson and Chipotle. It's ridiculous. His face and Chipotle was all over my screen last week.
3: Are you leaving it?
1: Just for the sheer fact that, hey, you know y'all know I'm a Chipotle gal. But if you spam me that much, I'm out for a bit.
3: Well,
2: I'm, I'm taking the fact that they're getting money however they can. Um, sure. You know, that you saw. Get your money. Multiple USC players with Instagram posts or whatever. I take that. You know, get your money while you can. Yep. Um, but I'm leaving the bowls themselves. Okay,
3: but if it was Shotguns, bratling Zaxby's order, you're all over that. Oh, all over. <laughs> Anything that has me in it, I'm, of course, all over. We know. And for the N1. N1.
1: No, I didn't like that one. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, no, no. I didn't like that
3: one. N1 to the N1. N1. There you go. You need a whistle. Yeah. Do the whistle. There you go. <laughs> there it is. We saw a lot of draft parties going on. So I asked you guys. You guys are getting drafted. What does your draft parties look, at, look like? Who is sponsoring? We saw a lot of sponsors, too. We saw a lot of Pizza Huts and uh, Wingstops uh, with the little... Thanks for sponsoring the draft party, baby. Who is sponsoring? How many people are there? Is it a crazy event? Is it just you and your parents and your significant other and your dog? Or is it everybody in the whole neighborhood? Who is coming to your draft party? And where is your draft party? Are you running out of space? Is it your house? What's going on? Can we assume that we're like a late first
2: round pick? So we won't don't want to go to the draft in case we slide a little bit. But we're still knowing we're going to be a high
3: round You pick. Will, you will be a late first round or a second round pick. you—that That is the range you are in.
1: Well, considering that I'm a higher prospect than and I'm going to assume I'm okay. late first round.
3: Yeah, you, you're going to have everybody there on the
2: Thursday, and then oh, you no. drop to the second round. No, uh uh-uh. <laughs> Oh,
1: no. Believe in yourself, Shotgun.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. You're going to believe in yourself that you're going to be a first round, and you're going to drop the second round, so you're going to My have to wait. My draft people, ranking
1: is higher than yours. Did you hear our corporate sponsor? Did your
2: prospect ranking, they're going to fall in love with me. It only takes one team. All it takes, takes one team, team, baby. All it takes is one team.
1: Okay, I don't want it at my house because I don't want the whole nation to see the inside of my house. I don't want to <laughs> deal with my parents having to think that the whole nation is going to see our house because that's cleaning for days. <laughs>
3: How accurate
2: that is. Yeah, but then your your family's house finally gets cleaned. Right.
1: Okay, it's clean, but it's just like immaculate for the nation. And so I think I'm raining out of space. I don't know. I'll make it look homey, but also like it'll look good for the production. Okay. Either like In-N-Out or Ruby's. Ruby's Diner. Shouts oh. to Ruby's. I love me some Ruby's. Trash Diner. How dare you.
3: Ruby's Restaurant is what it is. You, no. clo- you close at 830. You're not a diner. Ruby's. I don't want to start on this again. Ruby's. This is one of the original take it or leave it. If
1: anyone <laughs> works at Ruby's, hit me up. I'm your gal. But I think that would be my thing.
3: How many people? Oh. You keeping it close? You keeping it- I'm keeping it Anyone close. who wants to walk up no, and listen? No, no, innocent?
1: no, 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 okay. no, no. Okay. I'm-, I'm, I'm this is the, back to the entourage question. True. That I cut out last week. Oh. Um, <laughs> I think it would be like a medium size. Like I need some okay. hype people, but I don't want like the, you didn't talk to me ever. Why are you here now? On my coach. Are you crying? No. I'm not a crier, really.
2: Since I'm going to be a high first round draft pick okay. now. Yeah. Okay. Now that I've changed my mind about where I'm being drafted. Um, I'm going to go with a local restaurant.
3: Okay. And wow. spread the love. Local barn grill. Um,
1: Yeah, rubies
3: Sorry None of the the drafts at night They're going to be closed (laughs) By the time the 7th picks up And I mean they're hitting up My my favorite Mexican restaurant
2: Back home in Georgia Or Spumoni's and Sherman Oaks One of the two And having that on display A little extra love for local restaurant While also still trying to post on Instagram About Pizza Hut or whoever's giving me money
3: (laughs) He's doing a, he's doing the Twitter with the Spimonis and he's doing the Instagram live with the Pizza <laughs> Baby.
2: Whatever it takes to get that money. Um it will be a large
1: group. I'm there. Just saying. Oh,
2: Shotgun's draft party's lit. I'm, I would assume I'm so. inviting anybody who wants to come that, that are my friends, you know. And then once the draft ends, then the fun begins.
3: He means the drinking.
2: Whoa, whoa! <laughs> yes, I
3: do mean the drinking. <laughs> and finally, what is your draft pose? What
1: you gotta go? What's your deal? No, I
3: don't. I I give the question. I don't take the questions. Fine. What is your draft? You gotta push harder on that. If you want it. <laughs> what is your draft phone call stance? You're only getting three options. You're getting the the stand up talking while everyone's sitting down. You're getting the just the normal sit back, or you're getting the.
1: You gotta explain what you're doing right now.
3: I'm standing up. I'm just sitting normally, or I'm. Were they leaning forward on their knees and they're covering their heads, kind of, and everyone's kind of like hugging them around. You only get to choose one. So, which one's your official draft call status? I'm
2: Just lounging, lounging. I think that one. the Second <laughs> one, whatever that one is. Just the second one. Relaxed, you're just you're just normal. Couch, just yeah. sitting
3: on the couch. Okay.
1: Can I like method act this for a second? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I would be. I think I'd be to knees. hunched over. Yeah
3: in
2: the call.
1: Focusing in because yeah. I want to sound professional to okay. whoever is drafting me.
2: Okay. Oh, we're playing it through the speakers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: shush, shush, shush everybody.
2: Playing it through the speakers of the TV or, or the sound system.
1: <laughs> Whatever works. Okay.
2: So everyone can be involved in here. Yeah. See, I'm a, I'm a big group experience type of person. I want I everybody
3: to, to feel the love. I feel Enjoy that. it. Well, there you have it. Those are their draft parties. One is lit. One is a little less lit. Yeah, I didn't really have a good ending for that. But <laughs> I'm going to
1: assume that mine's the lit one, just saying. Okay. Okay. If you have rubies. What a terrible assumption. Uh, it's lit. Uh, Hire me rubies, please.
3: Yeah, as long as the party's over by 830.
1: Okay. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> Killed them. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Looking ahead, May is pretty chill, college football-wise. So what are you guys expecting for the next couple of weeks?
0: The
2: ramp up for recruiting.
1: Yeah, dead period ending.
2: Chris and I were at an event on Saturday. There's another event coming up this Saturday. Um, Feels like we're getting more back to there being events most weekends during the spring. So that kind of feels like what's happening. And then, obviously, in June, the NCAA is going to open things up for official visits. And then it's on, like Donkey Kong.
1: (laughs) All righty. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Family Feed Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. That's Shotgun. That's Grace. I'm Keely. We'll see y'all next time.
0: Peace. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better